Section 95 of Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, Greenland, and the Search for the Poles. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The World's Story, Volume 8. Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, Greenland, and the Search for the Poles. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 95. Spitsbergen, the Island that Belongs to No One. By Lord Dufferin. In the Icelandic sagas, it is written that in 1194, land was discovered a four days sail to the northeast of Iceland. This land was undoubtedly Spitsbergen. The Editor. It was at one o'clock in the morning, on the 6th of August, 1856, that after having been eleven days at sea, we came to an anchor in the silent haven of English Bay, Spitsbergen. And now, how shall I give you an idea of the wonderful panorama in the midst of which we found ourselves? I think, perhaps, its most striking feature was the stillness and deadness and impassibility of this new world. Ice and rock and water surrounded us. Not a sound of any kind interrupted the silence. The sea did not break upon the shore. No bird or any living thing was visible. The midnight sun, by this time muffled in a transparent mist, shed an awful mysterious luster on glacier and mountain. No atom of vegetation gave token of the earth's vitality. And universal numbness and dumbness seemed to pervade the solitude. I suppose in scarcely any other part of the world is the appearance of deadness so strikingly exhibited. On the stillest summer day in England, there is always perceptible an undertone of life thrilling through the atmosphere, and though no breeze should stir a single leaf, yet, in default of motion, there is always a sense of growth, but here not so much as a blade of grass was to be seen. On the sides of the bald, excavated hills, primeval rocks and eternal ice constitute the landscape. The anchorage where we had brought up is the best to be found, with the exception perhaps of Magdalena Bay, along the whole west coast of Spitsbergen. Indeed, it is almost the only one where you are not liable to have the ice set in upon you at a moment's notice. Ice sound, bell sound, horn sound, the other harbors along the west coast are all liable to be beset by drift ice during the course of a single night, even though no vestige of it may have been in sight four and twenty hours before. And many a good ship has been inextricably imprisoned in the very harbor to which she had fled for refuge. This bay is completely landlocked, being protected on its open side by Prince Charles Forland, a long island lying parallel with the mainland, down towards either horn run two ranges of shinstos rocks about fifteen hundred feet high their sides almost precipitous and the topmost ridge as sharp as a knife and jagged as a saw the intervening space is entirely filled up by an enormous glacier which descending with one continuous incline from the head of a valley on the right and sweeping like a torrent round the roots of an isolated clump of hills in the centre rolls at last into the sea. The length of the glacier river, from the spot where it apparently first originated, could not have been less than thirty or thirty-five miles, 
or its greatest breadth less than nine or ten but so completely did it fill up the higher end of the valley that it was as much as you could do to distinguish the farther mountains peeping up over its surface the height of the precipice where it fell into the sea i should judge to have been about one hundred and twenty feet on the left a still more extraordinary sight presented itself a kind of baby glacier actually hung half suspended halfway on the hillside like a tear in the act of rolling down the furrowed cheek of the mountain i have tried to convey to you a notion of the following impetus impressed on the surface of the jan mayan ice rivers but in this case so unaccountable did it seem that the overhanging mass of ice should not continue to thunder down upon its course that one's natural impulse was to shrink from crossing the path along which a breath a sound might precipitate the suspended avalanche into the valley nothing is more dangerous than to approach these cliffs of ice every now and then huge masses detach themselves from the face of the crystal steep and topple over into the water and woe be to the unfortunate ship which might happen to be passing below scoresby himself actually witnessed a mass of ice the size of a cathedral thunder down into the sea from a height of four hundred feet frequently during our stay at spitzbergen we ourselves observed specimens of these ice avalanches and scarcely an hour passed without the solemn silence of the bay being disturbed by the thunderous boom resulting from similar catastrophes occurring in adjacent valleys as soon as we had thoroughly taken in the strange features of the scene around us we all turned in for a night's rest i was dog-tired as much with anxiety as want of sleep for in continuing to push on to the northward in spite of the ice i naturally could not help feeling that if any accident occurred the responsibility would rest with me and although i do not believe that we were at any time in any real danger yet from our inexperience in the peculiarities of arctic navigation i think the coolest judgment would have been liable to occasional misgivings as to what might arise from possible contingencies now however all was right the result had justified our anticipations we had reached the so longed-for goal and as i stowed myself snugly away in the hollow of my cot i could not help heartily congratulating myself that for that night at all events there was no danger of the ship knocking a hole in her bottom against some hummock which the lookout had been too sleepy to observe and that wilson could not come in the next morning and announce ice all around all around in a quarter of an hour afterwards all was still on board the phone and the lonely little ship lay floating on the glassy bosom of the sea apparently as inanimate as the landscape immediately after breakfast we pulled to the shore carrying in the gig with us the photographic apparatus tents guns ammunition and the goat poor old thing she had suffered dreadfully from seasickness and i thought a run ashore might do her good on the left-hand side of the bay between the foot of the mountain and the sea there ran a low flat belt of black moss about half a mile broad and as this appeared the only point in the neighborhood likely to offer any attraction to reindeer it was on this side that i determined to land my chief reason for having run into english bay rather than magdalena bay was because we had been told at hammerfest that it was the more likely place of the two for deer 
and as we were sadly in want of fresh meat, this advantage quite decided us in our choice. As soon, therefore, as we had superintended the erection of the tent and set Wilson hard at work, cleaning the glasses for the photographs, we slung our rifles on our backs and set off in search of deer. But in vain did I peer through my telescope across the dingy flat in front. Not a vestige of a horn was to be seen, although in several places we came upon impressions of their track. At last our confidence in the reports of their great plenty became considerably diminished still the walk was very refreshing after our confinement on board and although the thermometer was below freezing the cold only made the exercise more pleasant a little to the northward i observed lying on the seashore innumerable logs of driftwood this wood is floated all the way from america by the gulf stream and as i walked from one huge bowl to another i could not help wondering in what primeval forest each had grown what chance had originally cast them on the waters and piloted them to this desert shore mingled with the fringe of unhewn timber that lined the beach lay waifs and strays of a more sinister kind pieces of broken spars in oar a boat's flagstaff and a few shattered fragments of some long-lost vessel's planking here and there too we would come upon skulls of walrus ribs and shoulder blades of bears brought possibly by the ice in winter turning again from the sea we resumed our search for deer but two or three hours more very stiff walking produced no better luck suddenly a cry from fitz who had wandered a little to the right brought us helter-skelter to the spot where he was standing but it was not a stag he called us to come and look upon half embedded in the black moss at his feet there lay a gray deal coffin falling almost to pieces with age the lid was gone blown off probably by the wind and within were stretched the bleaching bones of a human skeleton a rude cross at the head of the grave still stood partially upright and a half obliterated dutch inscription preserved a record of the dead man's name and age vander schelling coman jacob moore ob two june seventeen fifty eight eighty forty four it was evidently some poor whaler of the last century to whom his companions had given the only burial possible in this frost-hardened earth which even the summer sun has no force to penetrate beyond a couple of inches and which will not afford to man the shallowest grave a bleak resting-place for that hundred years slumber i thought as i gazed on the dead mariner's remains on another part of the coast we found two other corpses yet more scantily sepulchred without so much as a cross to mark their resting-place even in the palmy days of the whale fisheries it was the practice of the dutch and english sailors to leave the wooden coffins in which they had placed their comrades remains exposed upon the shore and i have been told by an eye-witness that in magdalena bay there were to be seen even to this day the bodies of men who died upwards of two hundred and fifty years ago in such complete preservation that when you pour hot water on the icy covering which encases them you can actually see the unchanged features of the dead through the transparent incrustation as soon as fitz had gathered a few of the little flowering mosses that grew inside the coffin we proceeded on our way leaving poor jacob moore like his great namesake alone in his glory 
turning to the right we scrambled up the spur of one of the mountains on the eastern side of the plain and thence dived down among the lateral valleys that run up between them although by this means we opened up quite a new system of hills and basins and gullies the general scenery did not change its characteristics all vegetation if the black moss deserves such a name ceases when you ascend twenty feet above the level of the sea and the sides of the mountains become nothing but steep slopes of schist split and crumbled into an even surface by the frost every step we took unfolded a fresh succession of these jagged spikes and breakneck acclivities in an unending variety of quaint configuration mountain climbing has never been a hobby of mine so i was not tempted to play the part of excelsior on any of these hillsides but for those who love such exercise a fairer or a more dangerous opportunity of distinguishing themselves could not be imagined the supercargo or owner of the very first dutch ship that ever came to spitzbergen broke his neck in attempting to climb a hill in prince charles's foreland Berenz very nearly lost several of his men under similar circumstances and when scoresby succeeded in making the ascent of another hill near horn sound it was owing to his having taken the precaution of marking each upward step in chalk that he was ever able to get down again during the whole period of our stay in spitzbergen we had enjoyed unclouded sunshine the nights were even brighter than the days and afforded fitz an opportunity of taking some photographic views by the light of a midnight sun the cold was never very intense though the thermometer remained below freezing but about four o'clock every evening the salt-water bay in which the schooner lay was veneered over with the pellicle of ice one-eighth of an inch in thickness and so elastic that even when the sea beneath was considerably agitated its surface remained unbroken the smooth round waves taking the appearance of billows of oil if such is the effect produced by the slightest modification of the sun's power in the month of august you can imagine what must be the result of his total disappearance beneath the horizon the winter is in fact unendurable even in the height of summer the moisture inherent in the atmosphere is often frozen into innumerable particles so minute as to assume the appearance of an impalpable mist occasionally persons have wintered on the island but unless the greatest precautions have been taken for their preservation the consequences have been almost invariably fatal about the same period as when the party of dutch sailors were left at jan mayen a similar experiment was tried at spitzbergen at the former place it was scurvy rather than cold which destroyed the poor wretches left there to fight it out with winter at spitzbergen as well as could be gathered from their journal it appeared that they had perished from the intolerable severity of the climate and the contorted attitudes in which their bodies were found lying too plainly indicated the amount of agony they had suffered summer excursions to spitzbergen by steamer are now arranged for the accommodation of tourists the editor end of section 95 this recording is in the public domain